We do Fantastic. Wonderful. Well, welcome everyone. We will call that Wednesday, March 16th, 2022, Little Rock Water Reclamation Commission meeting to order. Howell Anderson, will you please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? Yes, I will. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Nice job, Al. <laughs> he can't help himself. <laughs> hey, this is, this is my life, you know, what can I say? <laughs> they would miss me if I didn't do those things. I believe it. <laughs> I want to say on the top of this meeting, in case anyone gets knocked off, that next month, um, let me check the date right quick, April 20th, we'll be uh, back in person. We will have a virtual option. So if you need to um, call in or log in, you can still do that, but we'll be meeting together. I look forward to meeting uh, you, Commissioner Siemens, and seeing all of your lovely faces uh, next month. So just wanted to say that on the top and the bottom end. Is there any objection to approving the minutes of the February 16th, 2022 meeting? Hearing none, uh, the minutes are approved. Do we have any public comment, emails or statements? There are no public comments. Okay. Hal Anderson will present alternative funding opportunities for capital projects. Thank you, Chair McBride. Um, I'm going to kind of provide a little background with this topic, and then um, I'm going to ask or turn it over to Tanya, and she'll uh, she'll present the request that we have. So, so the the talking point today is alternative project funding. Um, you know, my my staff kind of laughs at my presentations where I always try to um, answer three questions. And that's, what are what am I doing? What am I bringing before you? Why am I bringing it before you? And, and why am I bringing it before you now? So hopefully here in the next couple of minutes, I can explain all that. So next slide. Um, I'm going to take the liberty to start with the why in this particular case. And, um, you know, beginning in 2024, a couple of years from now, the utility will be looking at capital projects in a totally different way. Um, for the last 20 years, the CAO has driven our capital plan and that will be behind us. And we'll be entering what we have uh, decided to call the new norm. I think I give Mike Rota credit for that. Um, you know, for the last 20 years, the funding of the capital plan um, in order to meet the CAO was required by the federal court and by DEQ. So funding was somewhat secured out of um, requirement and necessity. So I think moving forward, um, the need for capital projects will still exist. You know, it doesn't just stop because the consent order has stopped. And what I've shown here are kind of my idea of what will drive um, the need for capital requirements in the future. And first is, you know, we've made some great progress with our large diameter inspection program and large diameter um, rehab program. But, you know, the work is just beginning. That That is a long-term plan, a long-term project. So 
A continued replacement of the aging collection system will require capital. Um, you know, we know that it's always going to just get more stringent from a regulatory standpoint. Um, we've learned just recently of some of some things that might be coming down the road that are significant when it comes to nutrient removal. So I think you always have to keep in mind that more stringent regulatory limits um, are always in the future. Taking advantage of new technology to, you know, to improve efficiency that you have at the plant, you would hate to be in a position where you couldn't fund something that would make a significant difference to the utility um, on a whole. Even if, even if it would save money over time, generally there's capital um, required at the first in order to finance it. Next slide. So our our 2022 capital budget, um, and I know this is a busy slide, and I apologize for that. It's got a lot of numbers on here. What you're seeing is 2022 through 2022, or 2026, I'm sorry, on top, and then it picks up with 2027 through 2031. So this is roughly a 10-year look forward. And when we presented the capital outlook, this 10-year plan, um, this particular slide showed where we anticipated getting funding for that plan. Um, you can see that the reserve funding or, or revenue funded part carries on every year for the next 10 years. The reserve funding, um, we've talked about that before, how we were building up a reserve in the last couple of years and we'll start using some of that reserve through 2023 to 2025. You can see that our bond funded capital um, pretty much as we have it secured now, runs out in 2023, as well as some of the FEMA grant money. But the, the point here to look at is the highlighted section. And we wanted to include this in the budget so that people would know it was, was out there, but we have listed it as unfunded. So what I'm talking about today is how are we going to fund or what possible options could we have to fund what we have listed that totals up to some just under $180 million over the next 10 years for capital improvements. Next slide. So what we're, I guess now I'm in the, um, the what category. What are we gonna do? What are we, what are we talking about here? So um, our staff intends to work with a consultant familiar in this arena. Not unlike we kind of got into with the FEMA um, projects that we had, this is, this is not our everyday job. Um, and so reaching out to someone who, who is very familiar with what options might exist seems like a, a relevant thing to do. Um, to date, um, in just our preliminary conversations with the consultant, they have listed four possibilities um, shown there on the right of the slide. Um, America Rescue Plan Act, we've probably all heard about that one. The bipartisan infrastructure law, um, that's certainly another one that's been in the in the news quite a bit. Building resilient infrastructure in communities. That was one that we really hadn't heard of until we started talking with this consultants. It's called BRIC um, in parentheses there. And then the hazard mitigation grant program, which is something from FEMA that is more where you can get funding if you can if you can have a project that's going to prevent you or protect you from future um, disaster damage or something like that. So. As, we, as it stands right now, these are the four um, large programs that are out there that could provide some funding. So what we'll do first is we'll work to prioritize 
these projects that I show listed over here, one through nine, um, based on both the benefit that the project provides to the utility, um, but also the likelihood that it would meet the requirements of the funding um, potential. So, how can I just quickly add, um, commissioners? The goal here is for us to try to find either grant funding and or principal forgiveness funding. Um, and so, I mean, as Hal pointed out, uh, pointed up earlier, is that this is really not an area that we're strong in. And so it's important for us to get someone that can help us do this. Um, you know, we would be foolish not to try to find uh, areas that can help our citizens um, with, with, with reducing some of the cost. Yeah, great, Greg. Um, so I think, um, so what we'll do is we'll look at the, the different funding sources and align the scope of the project that best matches up with that funding source. I, I had a drawing in my office and wow, it would be, you wouldn't want to put it up here on the screen, but you would basically see a line from these list of nine projects over here and which one of these four buckets does that project best align with. And so what we're learning is that preparing a detailed and accurate application is critical and it's it's probably especially critical for a large utility or a utility located in a in a large city because a lot of this funding um, has different i guess goals that they would like to um, accomplish and some of those um, favor more rural areas or um, lower economic areas or things like that um, and so you know, for areas that we don't necessarily measure up in that regard, we um, we think with our ability to put together a very detailed, accurate um, uh, application that it will help us, um, you know, going forward. So in order to put together a, uh, a detailed application, um, the application process we're learning is, is certainly time intensive um, and it's, it's somewhat expensive and, and most of the expense comes from the engineering side because the engineer um, has to develop both a clear project scope and they also need to identify those key things that these different funding opportunities are looking for. How does this project meet those requirements? Um, and, and there's a host of, of things to go through with each project. So um, we're bringing this, this before you today because we can envision that keep in mind we're we got 170 million dollars worth of unfunded projects um we're, we can anticipate that this could be up to three hundred thousand dollars worth of expenses to apply um, all of these projects or the selected best best opportunity projects with these different um, funding sources like i said a lot of the cost is in the engineering work the good news is, is that that engineering work um, will be of value to us in the future, whether we are successful with the funding or whether we end up having to fund it with rates down the road because it's a project that we have to do. This preliminary work that, that's done from an engineering standpoint will really help define the scope and, and it won't be wasted effort. So I, I think it's important to, to realize while we are expending um, a significant amount of money, we are accomplishing something too. So. I guess lastly in my 
and in my presentation, it's the why now. And, um, you know, I think just from the news, um, everyone has heard that, that these multiple programs are being developed and, and being funded at the federal level. Exactly where the money is, sometimes it's hard to track on, is it still at the federal level or has it made its way to the more local level? Um, what we're hearing is that most of this money will be provided at the federal level, but will be dispersed through existing programs at your um, state level. Say something very similar to um, the revolving loan fund being administered through natural resources. So we, we believe um, that our ability to, to organize a high quality application coupled with the last 10 years 20 years of experience that we've had with the RLF program um, positions us very well to be considered by the local groups. We have, we've built, I think, a very good relationship um, with the, the local um, ANRC or, or natural resources group. Um, they, they see what we do from a project standpoint, a project management standpoint, um, so I think we've positioned ourselves as best we can um, to be successful in that in that realm. So I guess the the last thing is that um, you know we've also been told, and another reason for the why now is that one thing that that sometimes favors us and works against some of the smaller um, rural areas is just the ability to put a project together and spend it and get it constructed in the time frame that the agencies are looking for the project to get done. Sometimes if you don't have the, um, if you haven't done what we're asking now and done your homework ahead of time to try to, you know, you've heard the term shovel ready projects that, you know, a lot of these smaller groups just don't have the ability um, to get out in front of these things to spend the money in a three year time frame or a five year time frame or something like that. So. Um, with all that said, that's kind of the background. And, and before we, we go on to Tanya, I guess I would ask if there's any questions um, related to this background. I don't have any. It makes a lot of sense to me why you would need an expert to do that. And um, and I'm glad we're doing it now <laughs> rather than later. Anybody else have any questions? Okay, I'm going to let Tanya take it from here then. Okay. Good afternoon, commissioners. Hello. What I have before you is the Business Advisory Grant and Engineering Services. It's a recommendation of award for professional services. And I appreciate how, you know, tackling the background of this, why we need an engineering firm to aid with, um, with these services. So in January, we had seven firms submit statement of qualifications. Those seven statement of qualifications were reviewed and, and based on the ranking of those SOQs, the top ranking firm was unanim unanimously selected to assist with this project. And that was Arcadis with, out of Mobile, Alabama. This is set up on an on-call basis. Um, it'll be renewed yearly or annually um, up to a total of seven years. The 
they would help us with any funding acquisitions, grant loan preparation, the management, project planning, engineering design, construction management. But with this on-call services and issuing work orders, we can stop those work orders within any of those services. We, do, we don't have to go any further than we want to go with the services based on the project. We look at this and that's how the future commission action may come into play. It depends on how far we go in into those work orders. Um, it could stop after the application or we could come to you and moving forward with that engineer Arcadis asking for approval for uh, a work order for design, construction management, and then falling on into recommendation award for construction contracts. So I know Hal laid out quite a bit for you, so it was pretty quick, my portion. I was gonna ask if you had any questions before we move into the recommendation. And, and you may have mentioned this already, and I'm sorry. How much is the annual amount again? Or is well, that about? It is based on work orders that are issued. So each individual work order will come in um, based on certain tasks. And that's where if they will have to report those to you at times, if they're below, you know, are they below Greg's spending authority or above if they're above where we will be back before you with work orders asking for uh for gotcha. yeah, but there's there's no there's no annual so everything is based on the actual work there's no fee we would pay just to have them as our our, our contact um what, what i'm saying there's no retaining fee or anything like that no no it's okay. it's it's only if we issue work orders and then it's based our own hourly okay okay thank you yes i probably should have mentioned in mine as well um the work orders that we're we're looking at issuing initially are work orders to help us through the application process and whatever um, preliminary engineering has to be done we expect most of those would fall below Greg's spending authority. Um, when we move, if and when we move to the design and construction management phase, that's when the dollars will obviously go up significantly, but that will more than likely be um, after we've been approved for some funding. So those costs would be covered by whatever funding that we got. So. Um, there's really no dollar amount associated with today's action. We just knew that it could, as the sum of work orders, could reach a number that we felt like we needed to get approval, um, while the individual work orders, at least unless we secure some funding, may fall below Greg's spending authority. Um, but co Commissioner uh, Commissioner Hightower, I, I guess to, to throw sort of, sort of some context around this, um, I think how you said about we, we we're looking at initially about three hundred thousand uh, dollars, but we would be chasing somewhere in the vicinity of about eighty million dollars worth of worth of uh, grants. So that that give you a perspective. Yes, thanks, Greg. That that does. Thank you. And then the the other thing, as Hal pointed out earlier, a lot of the work that we're doing doesn't get thrown away. Even if we were not successful, that work would still be needed for for with with future funding wherever we got that from. So. 
So it, we, we just build on top of it. Thank you, thank you. Are there existing on-call contracts for engineering services? We, we do have um, existing on-call services and we have them delineated by discipline. So we, we have an, quite a few of on-call contracts. And funding is one thing and execution being a different thing. Would the existing on-call contracts have opportunities to provide design and construction services? Or if ATIS is, Arcadis captures, how does that work? Um, or is that to be determined? I, I think if that we do not move forward with Arcadis, you could potentially see additional RFQs go out specific to this work, you know, that project. Um, the on-call contracts we do have, we utilize them typically in a smaller work. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a great question. And, and so when we put the RFQ out for this particular um, business advisory grant engineering services, we, we struggled with the idea of should it just be for the application process or should it be an RFQ that was written to where they could, could provide design services. And the reason we wrote it that way is let's just say we get a hold of something and there's a really quick timetable. Um, like I mentioned before, our ability to react quick oftentimes is what makes us um, successful. So we wanted to have the option to be able to award a design um, services contract under this request for proposals um, or qualifications so that um, we could save that time. It is certainly not our intent that this, that this would cover the design of that host of projects that you have. At, at best, it might cover the design of the first one that we do, but it's not our intent. We will, for, for projects the size of what we're talking about, um, and you know, we would be seeking proposals or, or qualifications from engineers specific to those projects once we get past the funding part. If that helps. That's a great question, because that was a lot of debate around here about exactly how to go about doing that, so. Um, well, and I, I, I looked up Arcadis. They're a rather large group, and um, you got to have some meat for them to be interested. So you got to have something to, in order to, I would imagine, in order to attract attention to get the service as well. So they were the ones that provided the the assistance for us on our FEMA appeal that we were successful in, and the same kind of the same work group that was familiar with that type of processes is the one that works with the application processes for these grants. So we, um, they were very impressive in that, in that um, endeavor that we had with FEMA and, and so far um, in conversations with them, we're, we're very encouraged on, on the staff they have from the 
um, at least the writing of the grant applications in that time frame. And Commissioner so, Siemens, that just uh, just so you know, we uh, we we requested an application for the ARPA money, and uh, I believe that was like a thirty-page um, application process that uh, had to be followed. And let me tell you, it got it got technical really quick. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't, I can imagine the application processes and having an expert to help navigate that seems uh, uh, prudent that uh, that service doesn't grow on trees. I was more focused in on um, the group of consultants we have in Arkansas after the fact. That's really all. Yep. So how this is Lance. So you'd say they know how to dot the I across the T when it comes to those application processes? Yeah, that's that's our impression. Um, and, and certainly I think through the um, statement of qualifications process, you know, I, I tried to I tried to talk about it, but I'm I'm not an expert myself, but you find out that some of the things that these agencies are looking for in your application aren't necessarily what we typically are looking for when we're talking about a a project. I mean, they're looking for things like, you know, environmental justice, the economic impacts, various things like that, that are a little bit different than, than what we typically just from the engineering utility engineering world are trying to accomplish. So, um, you know, they sure seem to talk the talk and, and they've done it in, in various places. So again, like I said, they were pretty impressive um, so far. And, and and these uh, uh, Director Hines, the, these applications are very similar throughout the country, and and they just have a, a lot of depth and knowledge in in doing this. Um, also, the other thing that we're planning on doing, which I think helped us quite a bit, is getting our congressional delegation involved as well. Um, it certainly never helped, never hurts us to do that, and I thought we were extremely successful with the with the FEMA um, request. Can you all hear me? Yes. Okay. I can't see you, but I'll just keep going. Anybody have any other questions? Those are great questions. Okay. If you wanted to move forward with the recommendation of award, Ms. Wallace. Okay. Thank you. Today, staff is requesting commission to authorize CEO Greg Ramon to execute the on-call professional services contract with Arcadis and negotiate and execute work orders for the assistance with business advisory, grant, and engineering services. Do I hear a motion? Motion. Second. Second. Any other questions? All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? The motion passes. Thank you so much. Thank you. John Holloway will present an update on the fats, oils, and grease and sewer service line replacement programs. Can you guys hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. I was, uh, the, the most nervous part of this presentation is, is getting it 
getting it up now the now the question is can you see what i'm sharing somebody else is going to have to answer that because i can't see anything at all <laughs> i can hear y'all it's there it's there yes it's there. Yeah. great <laughs> well uh, uh thank you uh chair mcbride and commissioners um it's been a while since we've given an update on the development uh, uh, program and, and the facilities in Greece and service lines and permits. Uh, in fact, I think it uh, uh, we used to give this annually regarding development. And um, I think it kind of precedes a lot of people on the call. So um, I'm real pleased to present this. You might see the name Vince Hotho on here. Vince, I'm giving this on behalf of Vince. Vince is away from us for a while. And, uh, but I, I just, I, I'm, and I'm very happy to, to do this on his behalf. Uh, as you see in this slide, uh, I've got three direct reports that report to me. And of course I report to, to Hal. Uh, you just heard from Tanya. You, you've heard uh, from Tanya uh, frequently over the uh, past few years, likewise with, with Caribeth. Uh, they're they're very uh, uh, capital intensive, if you will, in in their uh, in their programs. The person you don't hear from in, in this uh, three-legged table, if you will, is is Vince Hotho and and his group. And but they play an equal uh, equally important part in the engineering program in terms of what our objectives are in in engineering and specifically uh, Vince's group uh, uh, reviews uh, this you may recall the uh, sewer service line replacement program the fats oils and grease uh, program uh, our permits program and then any development that takes place neighborhoods think neighborhoods if you will uh, goes through this group First, I'd like to start off talking about development and just a quick review of the development program. You know, the utility does not design the uh, expansion of the collection system. That expands uh, primarily through developer funded projects. Uh, the developer hires a consultant and uh, that consultant submits that for staff to review make sure it's up to our standard specifications. We approve the plans. Then uh, once they receive a, a, an approved set of plans, the developer uh, builds those sewers. Our staff inspects their work during construction to make sure they're in compliance with our specifications. Then upon completion of, uh, of the project and all the paperwork that's associated with it, the developer transfers those sewers to us and then uh, the utility owns, operates and maintains the sewers in perpetuity. So the two people that uh, I kind of wanted to put some uh, names and faces before you because you might not see them as or hear of them as much. Uh, Vince Hotho, of course, who, who's away from us for a bit, he manages not only the development program, but uh, the fog sewer service line replacement program and the permits program. 
the person that focuses uh, much more of his time is Terrian Tyler. Terrian uh, joined the staff in December, is a, uh, an engineering graduate from the University of Arkansas. We're as uh, uh, equally excited about him being here as he is about being here. And we've just had a, a wonderful experience with Terrian since he's arrived. Just some statistics, uh, no real trend to show here, maybe except that, that even years uh, uh, fall, uh, fall below live years, uh, there's no explanation for that. But uh, as you see, we just went back five years, but uh, you know, between 25 and 35 projects a year that uh, Tyrion and Vince see. Now project could be as simple as a as a main extension to serve a business or can be as relatively complex as uh, serving a, a new neighborhood uh, in the Chenal Valley area, for, for example. The, the important thing I think is to, to show you is that the, the number of projects has, is not tailed off. It's, it's, as you see, it's within the range over the past five years, uh, but the, uh, but the the collection system expands at roughly a two and a half million dollar pace per year based on the statistics you see before you. The Fats, Oils and Grease program, you may recall, uh, we were before you uh, back in 2019 for a resolution and we made a big presentation. This is a I'll call it uh, an upstart project, uh, a program uh, that uh, we, we just reinvented the wheel that, that we already had in, in place. And we did actually uh, reimagine, I guess is, is the best, better word, reimagine the program. And uh, uh, I think we've got some really positive and exciting results uh, of the program. Uh, we went before the board, uh, Director Hines, we went before the board in uh, November of uh, 2019, and we started implementing the program in February of 20. The two people you see before you now, Alan Gatlin on the left, uh, he supervises day-to-day -day supervision of the FOG program, as well as service lines and permits. The face of the FOG program is Mr. Zach Crumpler. And just a, a brief overview of, of this uh, program, the staff, um, where before we were more of a regulatory uh, posture, if you will, with, with restaurants, we help people uh, manage the grease in, uh, that, that, that they produce. And, um, the reason behind that is grease in the collection system is uh, uh, an enemy, if you will, of the, of the performance of the collection system, both in dry weather and wet weather uh, situations. It, 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 believe it or not, grease sticks to the pipe and builds up within the pipe. And then uh, if we have any kind of an obstruction, be it roots or what have you, it collects on that and can back up and cause problems. So we've got to keep grease out of the collection system. And this is how we do it through uh, 
this Grease Interceptor Program. Uh, we assist uh, designers with Grease Interceptor sizing. Not One size does not fit all. Uh, different kitchens produce different amounts of grease. They have different um, uh, uh, plumbing, if you will, inside their kitchens that, that uh, grease can go through. And we assist them in the proper sizing of this. Uh, we also register all grease haulers. We want the grease haulers to do uh, uh, to clean the uh, grease interceptors a certain way. We want complete evacuation. We want them to spray them down. We also want them to report any deficiencies within the grease interceptor to let us know if there is a problem. And then we will uh, help restaurants We'll, we'll go back and say, hey, you need, you need to uh, repair your grease interceptor. Uh, we check to make sure on behalf of the restaurant that the uh, grease hauler is, has indeed pumped out and, and done what they said they've done. So it's just a real nice check and balance system and, and a great interaction with, with grease haulers and um, in restaurants. We're happy to be in the middle of that, so to speak. Uh, a few years ago, before 2020, I would not have been able to give you these statistics. So I'm really happy to do it. The, the, in orange, you see the number of, these are food service establishments. Now, uh, think restaurants, that's predominant, but uh, a, a nursing home facility, uh, assisting, uh, care, uh, nurseries, uh, what have you, anything that commercially produces food or will produce grease. And uh, the number of registered um, uh, restaurants, if you will, has increased, you'll see, between 2020 and 2021. There are roughly a thousand restaurants uh, in the city of Little Rock. And uh, so we're really excited to see this trending upward. The number of manifest is the number of uh, uh, grease interceptor cleanings, if you will. And that is trending uh, 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 markedly between 20 and 21. And uh, across the top, you'll see the, the number of gallons that have been pumped uh, over 2.3 million gallons in 20, which is Fantastic, but it got even better in, in 21. Uh, uh, over 3 million gallons were pumped, were pumped out and disposed of. It did not get into our collection system. The sewer service line replacement program, you know, that was, we've uh, implemented that beginning in January of 2013. It was before the, the, um, uh, this commission and went before the board. Uh, so we have our uh, you know, resolutions in, in, and ordinances in place for this and also the permit program. I'll explain more about that in just a moment. Uh, Ms. Tracy Pearson is the, is the face of the sewer service line replacement program and uh, permit will have to be issued for uh, Anytime you uh, 
want to connect to our collection system, you have to do it. You have to meet our standards and specifications. And uh, you've got to get a permit from Mr. Eric Coleman. And I'll explain more about uh, how we uh, have some quality assurance on that in just a moment. Just a brief overview of the sewer service line replacement program, uh, you know, their, their eligibility checks uh, that, that, that are, uh, take place and an application process. So after all that is cleared, the homeowner hires a plumber to replace the, the entire service line. Uh, we inspect all installations to make sure it, that the customer gets with, with their after and what we need. So um, then we reimburse up to $2,500 to residential customers for replacements. And uh, statistics over the past five years, uh, as you see, uh, we range uh, roughly uh, as high as 424 in, in the mid 300s. Is it, is it tapering off? Uh, I'm not so sure that it is. We did expect it to flatten a little bit, but uh, let me proceed on to the uh, uh, next few slides and just show you how e exciting uh, this is. This is a map. They tell me there's 3,200 dots on this map. I take their word for it, but you see the number of service lines that have been replaced, 3,200. Uh, service lines have been replaced in the, in the city of Little Rock through this program. And, and when, let's see, my, my next slide kind of gives the, eight, that's $8 million investment since 2013. And when I share this information with other utilities, other cities, they are astounded. They, they, they're really focused on that. Once, once they are ordinances or resolutions that, and how the program's laid out, we're happy to share it with them because uh, service lines are the most subject to infiltration and inflow. That I and I we talk about that causes overflows. Uh, they're they're uh, the most since they're the shallowest. They're they're most subject to that and debris and so forth getting into the collection system. So. Whenever we share this information, uh, since service lines are private um, and public utilities can't invest in that, uh, they are standard with our program and, and how we've been able to uh, be involved with that ownership, if you will. Uh, this, Mr. Coleman uh, sells many permits, but one one set of permits that he sells are new service connections, which in our world equals new customers. And you'll see in, in this graphic over the past five years, uh, that averages out to 551 new customers over the past five years, which I, I think is, is a, a very nice number of, uh, of increase uh, every year, so, and that is reflected in our uh, our our budget. If you if you read through our budget, you'll see that uh, that's new new um, service connections uh, is uh, reflected in the in the budgets. What I'm trying to say, and, and we're very consistent with with that. So it's 
it's uh, uh, we are growing in my mind. So uh, talk about the quality assurance program. Um, everything that we've just talked about is inspected by these uh, four people. Uh, Mr. Haley, Mr. Hutchinson, Mr. Shear are, are predominantly into the service lines in the fog uh, program. Mr. Stubbs is uh, the inspector over new development. So with that, uh, uh, Chair McBride, commissioners, I'd be happy to answer any questions. I wish Vince were here to answer questions because he could do it a lot better than I could. But nonetheless, I will try to to take on any questions you may have. This is, again, this is not a voting item. We just bring it to you for some uh, fun facts um, and statistics that, that we gather over the year. Hey, Jonathan, Lance. Hey, uh, and Greg and you can clarify, but uh, we now have access to revolving loan funds. If we hit a year where, I, I know in previous years past, we were kind of, held up by how many lines we could do based on the dollar per fee month. But I thought I remember Greg saying that the uh, Arkansas Resource Commission allowed us to, we could dip into that if we wanted to uh, and then pay it back with funds. So I, I just want to make sure that was still the case. So we're not, we're not going to hit, we used to have an artificially created uh, stop each year for how many we could do based on the money we were taking in. That, that's correct, Director Hines, and, and that is true. Uh, we we can fund those through the revolving loan fund, and uh, we have. Now, we've put a, a, a five-year um, uh, five limit on that, and I'll be honest with you, I, I can't recall what range of dates that starts and, and ends, but uh, nonetheless, what it did is it really... Um, uh, lessen the i'll say the backlog of of uh, service line replacements uh applications and the payments we, we were able to turn that around a lot quicker basically there's two ways to get into the uh replacement program uh one is if you have a problem and qualify or the other is if if we're smoke testing or uh, rehabilitating the sewers in your neighborhood and you qualify, we notify you of that. And that's, it, it did create a little bit of a backlog and the um, revolving loan fund did do that, but we're still in the, in the midst of, of, um, uh, of that. And our turnaround time is, is where it used to be months is now down to, uh, I would say 10 to 14 days is our turnaround time. Awesome. And, and then remind me again on, on the smoke testing we've done. I somehow remember the number over 9,000 lines that we identified. Does that seem right? Back a couple of years ago? Uh, it, it would be hard to dispute that because um, as, as you see in, in this graphic, um, uh, uh, east of 430, uh, down to the university area, uh, uh, Director Hines, if you're familiar with Orangeburg Pipe, but it, it was, uh, it's absolutely the worst pipe material you can, <laughs> you can use. And that's where a lot of that resides. And uh, so 
uh, if you smoke test, you're going to find uh, deficiencies in service lines in there. Uh, basically, uh, east of university up in the Ward 3 area and, and so forth, you'll find more clay and, and concrete. But those were just segmented pipes that were pushed together. So they they tend to leak and let in water or smoke can come out of them. So considering the fact that we have about 66,000 residential customers and um, yeah, finding 9,000 shouldn't be shouldn't be hard, honestly. And Director Hines, this is also, uh, when you saw the graph of how much has been spent for how many services per year, we, we would only have about about seven or excuse me, uh, $700,000 a year to work with. And and you can see that we've gotten close to a million dollars and that amount has come from revolving loan funds. I also wanna say that uh, ANRC submitted us for uh, for an award from EPA, the, 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 the Pisces Award, and we, we did receive that award. Uh, for 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 having an, an a, a program that that's unique and helps the you know helps the, not only the organization but the homeowner and it was just such a unique program that they felt other cities um, should mimic it and that's uh, that's a big reason why we we uh, we won that award. Great news, thanks, guys. Chairman Brown, that's all I've got. Thank you for that update. I wish I could see the numbers on it, but I'll uh, I'll get it from you later. <laughs> Anyone else have any questions? Okay, Mr. Ritter, we'll present our financials. Thank you, Chairwoman McBride, commissioners. Pull up the presentation is being pulled up right now. Let's start just by highlighting this month our our bid portal, which. I think we've talked a little bit before about, but on our bid portal was the brainchild of our own Amber Yates. It's been implemented just about a year, and it is a public procurement shared single source portal whereby vendors can track and respond to bids or work by the member agencies. So. You know, this is particularly helpful for us to gain more responses to individual bids because small and local businesses in particular oftentimes don't have the resources to be out researching what bid opportunities are available. But if they register for our bid, then they can go in and check at any time and see a number of agencies and the services that are currently um, bidding or about to bid. And then they can go ahead and respond to those bids via the portal, which is uh, helps uh, with efficiency and so forth. So far, uh, we're a charter member. CAW was in uh, initially. The city of Hot Springs was an early adopter. Um, Pulaski County was an early adopter. We've added a couple of agencies and we look to continue to expand. We also have the ability in this portal to get and retain information for businesses that qualify as minority and or um, women-owned businesses, which helps um, us increase the pool of bid uh, respondents from, from those businesses. And um, over time, we hope we'll drive the percentage of work that we do with the smaller 
and minority and women-owned businesses up from where it currently is today. And we already have a pretty good track record with that, but this portal is, is we believe, is going to help significantly increase those numbers through the, through the year. So I wanted to talk about that. It's been a while since we talked about it. That's what the, the primary page on the portal looks like, and, and so far it's, it's working really well and been very well received. But now we'll get into February results um, and, and talk a little bit about year to date. If we could look at the next slide, please. We continue to overachieve budget on revenue. Um, revenue of five and a half million was five and a half percent greater than we budgeted for the month of February. And year to date, uh, revenues are 10.7 million and they're 3% over our budget. Uh, they were driven primarily by domestic revenues in the month of February. Our operating expenses continued to come in favorable to our budget. Uh, 2.1 million was our operating expenses in the month of February. It was favorable to budget by 174,000. Year to date, we're favorable to budget by almost 300,000 or 6%. Now, a lot of that, as we currently run, is is more the result of just how we budget versus how we spend the money. So, um, you know, we, we kind of budget a lot of items unless we specifically know what month the expenses are going to occur. We kind of just ra uh, ration them over the 12 months, but the money isn't always spent that way and the services aren't always provided that way. So we don't expect to run at 7.6% operating expense efficiency all year long. Uh, we think that'll catch up. This is just a temporary um, uh, index, if you will, but we are off to, to a good start relative to, to our budget. Slide, please. This is just a high level look um, at, at how the revenues came in. Um, again, $5.5 million on a budget of 5.2 million. Domestic assessments were the driver. Uncollectible accounts in the month of February, we actually had a credit of 127,000. That's the result of CAW still trying to work through uh, the process of reconciling manual write-offs, which they had to do when COVID hit and they suspended write-offs. And then when they resumed write-offs, um, they had to reconcile the automatic process with the manual process and there's been some hiccups in that. So uh, this was a true up in the month of February, um, but overall we feel uh, that most of the manual write-off work has been, uh, there's still some left to true up, but most of it has been processed through. And we, we hope that by the middle of the year, we'll be back to a full automated process on write-offs and, and, and that data will be cleaner. Next slide, please. As you might expect, when you're overachieving um, revenue as compared to budget, consumption is up. It's what drives our, um, our revenues, particularly on the non-domestic side. And on a rolling 12-month basis, ended February 2022. Uh, the last 12 months were almost 9% greater on the non-domestic side than they were the prior 12 months before that. And on the domestic side, there's increases as well. I should mention here that we are in the process, uh, about to uh, be in the process of recalculating average winter consumption, which averages um, billings for 
the majority of our domestic residential customers. Those new averages will go out uh, in April. They'll begin billing in April. And um, last year, as a result of COVID and the impact that it had on more people staying home from school and work, we saw domestic AWC on the whole increase. Um, so we're anxious to see how this year's calculations come out, but we'll know more in the next uh, 30 to 60 days on that. February operating expenses, we've talked a little bit about that. This is more a function of just the, um, the way the monies are budgeted versus when they're spent. But um, the favorable budget variances were kind of across the board. Supplies was favorable by 36%, pretty significant amount. Uh, salaries were under budget by roughly 6%. We've got still a lot of vacancies with a lot of recruitment and new employees coming on. Uh, we've still got uh, more vacancies than we normally run, just about like everybody else. And contract services uh, were also under budget by about 14%. The biggest driver in contract services was the service line program, and that's just a function of we, we didn't complete as many service line reimbursements in the month of February as we had budgeted, but again, that'll catch up. The next slide talks about cash flow. We started the month with almost 65 million in cash. We ended the month with about 63 million in cash. So we, we decreased about 3.6 million. Um, a big part of that was uh, principal payments, principal and interest payments that were due in February, as well as uh, capital investments of 1.2 million. Still in a very strong cash position, almost 60, a little over $63 million of which the vast majority is in our operating and debt service reserve and 10 million is restricted. Finally, just to look at debt, we, uh, we, we made principal payments. The prior slide showed this as well as 1.2 million. So we decreased our outstanding debt by 1.2 million in the month. And our February interest expense was, it runs about a million dollars a month. So again, we retain our good, strong financial position as we head to the last month of uh, the first quarter. But that's the end of my presentation. I'd be happy to entertain any questions. I don't have any questions. Hey, Mike, or, or Greg, probably a question for either one of you guys. I know with the changes you made last year, and it looks like this year getting off to a great start, budget-wise, we're proceeding very well. Were there any projects or anything that we held off in the COVID or the pandemic era that we were holding off due to, you know, just not knowing that maybe we could or has come to light or some opportunities since we're doing so well right now? You want to answer that, Michael? You want me sure. It's uh, not so much in 2021. In 2021, um, particularly when once we saw that our revenues were stable and strong through the end of the first quarter of 2021, um, we really returned to, to business as usual. And um, I don't recall off the top of my head holding back on any significant initiatives like we had when we first encountered COVID, you know, right at two years ago. And we kind of we, we, we really um, were very conservative for about a 12 month period, uh, but revenue rebounded strong in, at the end of 2020. And once we saw that it stayed that way into the first quarter of 2021, we 
He basically opened everything back up is my recollection. Correct. Perfect, perfect, good. Okay, thank you guys. Welcome. Hey, y'all are doing a tremendous job over there, by the way. I'm, I don't know if, if, if you recognize or if, if everyone out there does recognize the, the work that you guys have done through the pandemic and, you know, just where so many other utilities have come under pressure, you guys have just discovered some great ways for us to stay not only stabilized, as you said, but to uh, actually proceed and come out of it uh, very healthy. So congratulations, Greg and Mike and team over there. You guys have done a great job. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, to add on to that, that cash reserve, we're conservative about that until they find those alternative funding opportunities for the other capital projects coming up to Commissioner Hightower. As I understand it, um, that that would be the reason not to, uh, to use that to go into any other projects that maybe didn't get done before. Am I right about that? Yeah, what you're, I think what you're saying, if I understand you correctly, is um, our cash reserves are strong and to the extent that we don't receive funding that we apply for, perhaps there's some things we can do with those cash reserves. Did I understand that correctly? Right, well, will we be getting into that cash reserve in the future over that 10-year process as uh, Howell was talking about in order to fund some of those projects provided we don't get any of that alternate funding? Yes, that I mean, if you go back to you know our our cash flow forecast, I think that by the end of if we didn't drastically peel back our capital program by the end of 2026, 2027, we were going to be those cash reserves were going to be fairly well exhausted unless we had a rate increase or we went out for some additional bond funding. I mean, there's a number of mechanisms. We're obviously hopeful, though, with the with the list that that Hal shared and the information he shared. I think the only way that we are going to get the entire capital plan done for the next ten plus years is if we land some of those big grants, because there's some pretty good sized projects on that list of nine projects that Hal shared. Thank you. Thank you guys posted on that. Yep. Any other questions? Okay, Jane Block will have the legal update. Hello, commissioners. Uh, I'll start with the litigation update. Um, we're still in a holding pattern. We're still waiting on the Court of Appeals to issue their ruling um, on our motion for summary judgment appeal. In terms of regular work, I've been working quite a bit with HR on some personnel matters. Uh, also extensively with the engineering department on the Gain Street uh, energy issue. And I know Greg's going to give an update on that here shortly. Also been working with both the operations and environmental affairs department on an issue um, involving one of our industrial users. And then finally, um, spending quite a bit of time in interviews for the environmental affairs director role. So that's my update. Thank you. Any questions? All right, Mr. Ramon, you'll have our highlights. All right. So I want to first start off by saying that we did uh, submit the consent administrative order report to the Department of Environmental Quality. And this is a very similar report uh, that uh, we submitted to the Sierra Club, uh, which you acknowledged. And so 
we've completed that task for this year and, and all things are well. And um, that uh, the report really talks about all of the improvements that we've done to date uh, to come to, to meet the uh, consent administrative order. So that worked out well. Um, I want to say, and I was unaware that uh, there is a national engineering week and who would have thought uh, <laughs> uh, February 20th through the 26th and uh, they our, our communication staff put together a video to share on social media. And I gotta say one of the things that they were asked to do was to, to tell a joke. And so you can just imagine, you've got to watch it. This is a bunch of engineers trying to be funny. Kind of like me, I guess. Um, so the, the other thing that we did is uh, uh, we participated in a special insert in the Dem Gazette uh, called the Salute to Engineers. Uh, and in that ad, we featured our capital improvement engineer manager, Carrie Beth. So we're, we're really excited to do that. But uh, if you get a chance, you really got, you've got to look at that, that video. Um, also, uh, we celebrated Women's History Month. Uh, we launched our social media uh, and radio campaign called uh, Women of Water. Uh, the campaign focuses on the contribution that women uh, of water uh, make, not only to the Little Rock Water Reclamation, uh, but to the industry as a whole. And, and this year we recognized Carla, she's an, uh, an accounting clerk. Tanya, you guys know Tanya, she's our, our CIP program manager. Uh, Lindsay is a lab technician and our very own uh, Lauren is also uh, highlighted as well. So congratulations uh, to uh, you folks, uh, you obviously for your commitment to not only the utility, the city, but uh, the uh, citizens that we serve. Also want to say the our procurement team uh, is at it again. They received their uh, Excellence and Achievement Award for 2021 from the Universal uh, Public Procurement Certification Council. Uh, and this is for having all of their staff certified. Uh, this award was created to acknowledge agencies that are committed uh, to the value of certification in public sector. Uh, 2021 is the 13th consecutive year that LRWRA has received this award. Uh, and just to top it off, LRWA is the only utility, uh, a government agency in the state of Arkansas to receive this award. We're very proud of these folks. Um, but you know what, you know, as they say on TV, but wait, there's more. Um, so our, uh, our uh, not to be outdone, our finance department has earned the Distinguished Budget Presentation Award for the 10th year in award. And when they say budget, budget presentation, they're not referring to a PowerPoint. They're literally referring to that big book that we, we get to see uh, every year. Uh, to receive this award, the Government Finance Officers Association, uh, we had to satisfy a number of nationally recognized guidelines uh, from effective budget presentations. Uh, this award is the highest form of recognition for governmental budgeting. Uh, and I just got to say, uh, way to go, finance team. Uh, also, uh, on March 3rd, I had uh, the honor of serving on a panel uh, as a panelist on a ritual form regarding protecting our Arizona waterways. Uh, the form was co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Pulaski County, as well as uh, KUAR. And I really enjoyed talking about uh, utilities one, uh, one water concept. So that was a really a great, uh, great thing to do. Um, wanna give you a quick update on the Gain Street uh, project. Uh, first and foremost, I wanna say that uh, 
we've had some movement on this project as it relates to being able to get onto the energy project uh, um, property. As you remember last year, we had some concerns with the progress and, and certainly uh, we were working closely with energy uh, regarding our ability to either obtain an easement and or property to reroute the pipeline that obviously is in poor shape. Um, I'm encouraged to say that uh, we've made progress and although we have not secured either a place for the pipeline, a place for the pipeline yet, I feel very confident uh, that uh, we're, we're getting uh, some resolution is, is, is near. Uh, just as a heads up, I may need to call a special meeting uh, with the commission by phone uh, where we would ask for your approval to purchase the land from Entergy. So I guess stay tuned there. Um, however, that doesn't mean we haven't done any work uh, out there. And I'll let Hal talk a little bit about what has already gone on on property that is adjacent to the uh, Entergy property. Sure, Greg. I, I, we always start, I guess, with this, uh, the drawing kind of the upper right hand there that shows the alignment. So the, to remind everyone, the yellow line is the existing um, sewer that we have in place. And then the, the bolder blue line is the um, proposed reroute around the substation improvements there. So, you know, again, thanks to this commission for approving emergency action back in October, um, you know, the world that we live in right now, just trying to get our hands on um, a couple thousand feet of 54 inch diameter pipe is not easy to do. And so by by the action that, that you took, we were able to, to get that order in and, and we're able to actually get the contractor on site just shortly after the first of the year. Um, not the best time of the year to start a large diameter deep project with um, the weather that we have in Arkansas, but but there has been progress made. Um, gravity sewers, you start on the low end and you lay upstream. That's just the way you do it. So what you're seeing in the bottom left photo is, is a large, um, I, I, I kind of hesitate to even call it a manhole structure, but that's essentially what it is. But it's, it's where they're building um, the manhole over the existing pipe. And you see the, the new pipe coming in from the right, um, just to give you a, Kind of a magnitude of scale that pipe is over four and a half feet in diameter so um you know that's a large box structure a lot of concrete a lot of work to do to get at this point so um, it's almost getting started is the slow part and, and this, the picture right above it is, is just showing the the uh, magnitude of trench boxes that have to be used when you're talking about pipelines that are 20 feet deep in the ground and the amount of gravel and effort it takes so we are Rapidly approaching, um, I would say within a couple of weeks of being at a point where we need to turn the corner and, and head across the Entergy property. Um, hopefully we'll be in a position to do that. Worst case scenario, we'll, we'll skip over the Entergy property and, and start back up in Gaines Street, which is the street on the left. Uh, on the right is Arch Street, the north end of Arch Street. But um, Things are progressing well, probably not as quickly as we had hoped just because of weather, but um, we've got a great contractor and, and a good engineer on site and all seems to be going well, Greg. Thank you, thank you, Hal. Also, I wanna say, and I know that Mike, Mike Rota talked a little bit about this, but you'll see advertisement and uh, we'll continue to be intentional with our efforts to increase the number of small minor, minority owned business vendors 
And of course, one way to do it to do that, as as uh, as uh, Mike Rota said, is through our e procurement. And the the really cool thing about this is every agency has their own uh, their own portal. When you can start combining agencies together, uh, it just makes it so much easier for for small companies and minority businesses to be able to really uh, concentrate on on getting getting projects as well as um, as well as being able to provide services. Uh, when it, when you've got a one-stop shop, if you will, um, there's been a tremendous increase in minority and women-owned uh, vendors. Um, we we started off with 35, we're, we're up to 179 now, uh, which has led to about 5.1 million dollars in contracts. And again, this is really more having the ability for folks to uh, the ease and 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 ability for them to be able to see multiple. Uh, agencies and be able to bid on these projects has certainly um, paid dividends. So, we'll, we continue to, to to talk about this because I think it's such an important uh, part to what what we do. Um, also, you'll see advertising uh, bid for a uh, this is the Fush Creek water uh, embankment damage. And if you remember, this is still part of the uh, the flooding that uh, caused the damage uh, and was declared a major disaster. And this was June 8, 2019. Little Rock Water Reclamation Authority was impacted by the flooding and uh, and uh, determined to be eligible by FEMA assistance. Uh, during the declaration incident, the Fush Creek Water Facility suffered soil erosion um, and dirt washout due to severe, um, obviously severe uh, scouring and washout along the uh, embankment. Uh, the design permit was initi uh, initiated the same month we uh, with a lead time of about 10 months. So the Army Corps of Engineers had to look at this and, and, and provide their comments and, and they have done so. So now we're going out for bid uh, to, to get a contractor to help us with this. Also, if you recall recently, uh, we, we had a, um, we, we uh, uh, FEMA uh, uh, gave us the approval. Uh, they initially had denied us and then through, through the appeal, uh, we, were, we were very successful. And this is uh, for a, a large diameter project, uh, again, as a result of the flood that occurred uh, in uh, 2019. Uh, CT CCTV, as you can see, identified some uh, very bad areas within the pipeline. And we really feel that that was a result of pressure placed on the pipe, uh, not only from the flooding, but there was tremendous debris that was going through the pipe, big, big piles of rocks and so forth that were being pushed through there that that damaged that pipe, and and just to give you a perspective, our willingness to appeal the the uh, the the first uh, the the first denial or the second denial, excuse me, from FEMA. Um, this project is about a five million dollar project, so it, we're, we are talking big money, and and uh, FEMA will be responsible for seventy five percent of that. So so th those are all good things to our ratepayers. Um, want to also say that uh, notice of advertisement, Adams Field um, Water Reclamation Facility. We have uh, three primary clarifiers there, and this is a capital project uh, for the structural repairs on one of them. And we're going to be doing structural repairs to all three of them, one uh, one per year. Uh, they were originally constructed in 1958, and they were some modifications were done in 2008. Uh, but but obviously throughout the years, uh, some structural uh, degradation has occurred. Um, and so our goal is to fix one a year and this will be the first one that we do. And in this particular one, they are going to include some high pressure epoxy injection 
into about 380 linear feet of some hairline cracks that we want to seal. Um, they will also do some uh, repair work uh, with cementitious products as well as ceramic and epoxy coatings that will be applied to some of the walls and floors of the unit. Um, as I said, uh, this is the first phase of the three phases that we will do uh, for the next three years. Um, and uh, Chairwoman McBride, uh, this concludes my monthly highlights. Are there are there any questions? Uh, for me. All right. If you don't mind, I'd like to go into the uh, proposed uh, April uh, items. Please do. All right. So uh, we will have our finance audit report on uh, uh, for April and the accounting firm of BKD will do the presentation. And obviously, you folks know we, we do an audit every year. So this 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 will be the presentation of that audit. Um, also, there will be a resolution to consider the Pulaski County Hazard Mitigation Plan, and that will be coming before you uh, in April as well. Uh, recommendation of award, if you remember from last uh, month, uh, this is uh, a contract for pipe bursting, uh, relay in place, as well as uh, infiltration and inflow reduction. And this is for the Rose Creek, Repsiman, Rock Creek, and Grassy Flats area. Also, uh, annual contract, and this is for the sewer collection system uh, and analysis and capacity assurance. This is the firm that provides a sewer hydraulic modeling for us. So every time we do a major project, we have them recalibrate the model to determine how, how much of an improvement that has done. Um, and um, we, we're, we're just up to that, that point again, where we really need them to come in and do some analysis for us. This also, um, as we get closer to the, the deadline of the CAO, this also will be the, uh, the our, our validation that we have met all the CAO requirements. So that's really what we're, what we're building up for. And then the last thing we would like to do is, if you recall, we, uh, we came to you uh, requesting to, to, to go self-funded on our healthcare. And we, we, we wanna give you the first quarter update um, on, on where we stand with that. So, uh, Chairwoman McBride, commissioners, that's what we've got for, that's our proposed uh, agenda for April. Lastly, I guess I'll say is happy uh, St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Thank you. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Any old business? Any new business? All right, the next meeting is April the 20th, 2022. Barring any major COVID changes, we will return to in-person meetings for April. There will also be a virtual option to attend. So I hope to see you all in person if we can. Is there any objection to adjourning the meeting? Hearing none, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you all so much for your hard work.